Ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. Welcome to This is Orlando with Rob Cole. Hello, everybody, and uh, welcome to episode 19 of This is Orlando. Um, we've been on a little bit of a hiatus, and um, I'm going to blame myself for that. And uh, if you're just now tuning in, my name is Rob Coble. I'm the host of This is Orlando. Uh, joining me, as always, is Carlos, uh, who takes care of all of our audio. Um, Carlos is kind of a what time and what do I wear guy, so we can't blame him for the hiatus. Um, I think it's just uh, life got busy, things been happening, and um, so anyway, we hope to get back on track and start seeing regular monthly episodes. Um, and in fact, we even braved the rain to come out tonight um, where we're recording down on the Full Sail campus, and um, we're going to talk tonight to Josh Mora, who's the Executive Director of Strategic Partnerships at Full Sail University. Um, he also spends a lot of time, um, uh, are you, you're on the board, right, of the uh, Greater Orlando Sports Commission? I'm on the stakeholders board, yeah. Yeah, okay, so he spends a lot of time there. Um, for those of you that aren't familiar, Central Florida, being a smaller town, obviously we don't have, uh, you know, your NFL football and Major League Baseball and whatnot, but... We do have a lot going on with the NBA. Um, we have professional soccer. We have minor league hockey, minor league baseball close by. And uh, what we're going to talk about mostly tonight, though, is the newest sport that is coming to Orlando and um, really uh, a, a, an interesting topic because there's arguments on both sides about the validity of even calling it a sport or whatnot. But of course, I'm talking about esports. And uh, there's no better guy to talk to than Josh. Um, well, let's let's not rush the judgment about that. Well, this is true. Um, there's no better guy to talk to here in Orlando than to Josh about esports. So thank you for being with us tonight, well, it's man. It's a pleasure to bring you guys back from hiatus. Yeah, no, I'm honored by that. I know we've been yeah. trying to get you on the show for a little while now, and. Um, it's just, you know, you're a busy guy. Um, I'm a lazy guy now, you know, <laughs> so it's like it makes it a little bit harder to, to kind of get together. But um, why don't we start out and just kind of introduce yourself and talk a little bit about what you do here day to day at Full Sail. And then we'll kind of segue into your role on the um, Greater Orlando Sports Commission. Sure. And and, and uh, we'll get into esports, too. Yeah. So I, I've been here actually nine years this week. Oh, right on. So, Congratulations. Yeah, as of uh, Monday. And uh, it's been an incredible ride here. I, I just love this place. Uh, my title is Executive Director of Strategic Partnerships, which means I'm in charge of a lot of our relations with external companies. Um, but specifically, the idea is how can we develop new areas of growth that attract um, interesting companies that want to play with us and, and mm -hmm. use the resources that we have here, uh, work with us on innovation and technology, um, because we have so many resources for that, uh, that help us um, elevate our brand, elevate the companies that we work with, draw more students that want to come and study here. Sure. And that's and, and especially in new, innovative, forward-facing areas. Um, uh, so I've, I've been in charge of a, a, a lot of different relationships, some of which uh, I've been fortunate enough to bring in, others that other people have brought in that I've been able to help serve and, and uh, augment those relationships and what it means for our community here. 
Yeah, and and I, I I would guess most of our listeners know about the relationship that Full Sail has with the WWE. Um, in fact, they film NXT here. What is it? Still monthly? Yeah, monthly every three, three weeks, every three or four weeks. Yeah, yeah. right. So, um, yeah, and not only does it provide like some really awesome entertainment opportunities for the local population of Orlando, but it's creating opportunities for the students and graduates That's to exactly. get some serious experience, um, hands-on experience like no other. You know, hands-on experience to come work on those projects if their programs uh, are, are suited for that, and also to come to events, right? I mean, part of a lifestyle of being on college is, you know, of course you're there to study and maybe you're gonna, you know, go to some parties and meet people, but also you get to go root for your teams. Yeah, you know, right. You know, from football to swimming to whatever it might be. Um, uh, so yeah, so part part of that, my job is to help try to bring those kinds of events and attractions to uh, create a better lifestyle for our students uh, who come here. And we just uh, earlier this week shot uh, another episode of uh, the David Faraday Show from oh, the Golf wow. Channel. So we now yeah. do the um, all of the uh, opens and closes, the intros, um, stand ups. <laughs> That's for those. awesome. Yes, we do those on campus again. About he'll take four or five shows at a time. Um, so it's another way that we're threaded within our community since it's done for the Golf Channel, uh, you know, down on the other side of downtown. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Um, you have a, a, a new facility that you kind of walked me through uh, a few minutes ago, yeah. and um, there's been a lot of news about this facility. It's the new eSport arena. Yeah. So tell us about that and how did that come to be? Yeah, so next week we open, uh, soft open for our community, uh, we open this thing called the Fortress. Uh, and it's it's a new toy, and it's, uh, it's just <laughs> I'm just in love with the room. It's tremendous. It's uh, eleven thousand two hundred square feet all told. The main theater is eighty two hundred square feet, and it's essentially an esports stadium. So it is a place where not only can people come in, uh, you know, and play like like many uh, there are many facilities like that, some on college campuses and the like. This is unique to a college campus anywhere in the United States. It's a unique building kind of anywhere on the eastern half of the United States. Um, but the idea is it is a place where people can watch competitive esports gaming in person. Uh, it becomes really relevant over the next couple of years um, when a couple of leagues, uh, NBA 2K and Overwatch most prominently, and now League of Legends is joining as well, start playing in-home markets, right? So following the traditional um, sports patterns. If you're a hockey fan, uh, you know, you don't, you, you don't league-wide, I mean, so maybe you do, but you have your team in sure. your community yeah. for whom you're your fans. If you're from Detroit, you're a Red Wings fan. If you're from yeah. Denver, you're a Colorado Avalanche fan. So th that, that that is an affinity that has not previously existed in esports, and that's something that these two leagues are beginning to, uh, to bring. To your other question of how did this start, the slightly longer version of the story is we had students who were playing uh, in club teams, right? There were, we had three or four, depending on how you count, uh, existing club teams. They just kind of put those students just got together and kind of put their own teams together? Correct. And yeah. Through our student uh, activities association. Yeah. Okay. And, um, and we're playing, you know, friendlies and there are a lot of other schools that, that do that. So they might play intramural uh, fashion or they might play against other schools that had reached out to them. And uh, as part of one of our staff and cultural development uh, programs, one team came up with the idea of taking those teams to varsity status because some universities had started doing that. But we don't have any varsity sports of any kind. Yeah, right. We don't have a hockey team, we don't have a swimming team, nothing like that. So uh, it, it made its way out of that 
to my office and the team presented it and the, the closing pitch to it was, well, can we do this? It seems pretty simple. And my answer was, no, we can't. And mm. they were flabbergasted. Why can't we do that? And I said, because if we just take our team's varsity, it will die on the vine. We need to create an ecosystem here and a lifestyle that gets it support for the university and draws people to our campus because they're interested in it. Yeah. And so we started off on a, on a few different pathways towards that. Um, we now have 12 teams uh, competing in 12 different um, uh, titles, uh, 12 different games. Uh, we can get into how that, the structure of that works uh, compared to traditional sports. Um, uh, we have explored creating a curriculum that is esports specific. Uh, and now we're opening this giant facility, um, which again can hold up to 500 or 600 people that can come and watch not only our teams play, but professional teams with whom we'll partner, festivals and other events that we may bring in, competitions that we may bring in. We, we started construction on it back in July of, of 18, and we announced it in October. And within 48 hours after the announcement, I had eight publishers call me and say, are you guys going to be open to doing outside events there? Wow. That's how unique the space is. Yeah. So that's the longer story of how it came about. And not only will we do events and festivals, but it sits adjacent to our user experience lab, which is where we do NDA testing for a lot of games or game type products. And so now any publisher or any game developer that wants to test if their game has playability as an eSport, can come and use our facility through the UX lab. Wow. And can come and use the Fortress for for testing as well. Yeah, the, the UX lab here is awesome. Sean and um, Adams uh, are incredible and yeah. do um, some really incredible research and, and work over there. I think I, having gotten to just kind of peek in and, and it's obviously a little uh, chaotic over there right now as they're kind of putting things together and whatnot. As I would expect from something Full Sail did, it's certainly first class and um, and it looks just incredible. Um, looking forward to, uh, well, let me ask you, yeah. when is or when will people be able to come and see this? Well, we'll do a soft open on March 5th. Okay. We have not released any pictures of it because we will, we will, the soft open isn't open to our community here. We want our students to be able to see it first and our staff to be able to see it first, and then we'll start to publish. Okay, and we, It looks like we'll have our first game events in there sometime in the middle of May. Okay. And then we expect a fairly steady stream after that point. Um, you know, I think people have asked why, what, what is the purpose of building that? Why, I mean, if you think about it, you know, because we don't have varsity sports, you know, we, we want to try to come up with lots of ways to unite our community. It's hard here because kids take their, students take their programs and they're fairly siloed in their programs because they move through them quickly. Sure. So what beyond the, the general culture here, which is excellent, uh, what is it that, that is a rally cry? Bear Bryant, the uh, long past uh, coach of Alabama football, used to say it's awful hard to rally around the math class. Right. Yeah, right. And this is something you can rally around. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that's cool. Uh, you know, so with that, we our message to prospective students is if you're interested in esports, you need to come here because we have this incredible facility that's going to help you rally around your teams as well as other other events that are going to be here. So whether you're a great player and you want to compete for us and win all kinds of championships or whether you're just somebody who 
is interested in esports because you're a fan of the influencers who are talking about them, yeah. come here because we have the best community in the country to be able to do that. Let's talk about esports in general. It, it, for me, you know, being an old man and everything, um, I'm kind of a rarity in my age bracket. I kind of get it, you know. I can understand the appeal, uh, having spent so much time around gamers and what motivates them and how they work and everything. Um, trying to talk about baseball with a lot of gamers, they just they're just like, I would never pay money to go see somebody, you know, hit a ball or throw a football, but they would, you know, I hear that these esport events at the Staples Center in L.A which is what, uh, how many people does that hold? Like 80,000 or something <laughs> 18 like 18 or 19,000. Yeah, you know, it's like yeah. they sell out in a minute. Yeah. So what, explain the appeal to esports. Why, Why? you know, a lot of people say, that's not a sport, you're yeah. playing a video game. Yeah. Well, the, fir the first thing I would do is I'd put it in context, which is a lot of people think about it, okay, football, baseball, basketball, esports, and that's not correct. Esport is not a sport in the traditional idea of legacy sports. Esports is its own genre. So it's, you know, League of Legends is football. Counter-Strike is baseball. Uh, uh, Overwatch yeah. is hockey. I mean, so different titles, different sports. So think of them as different subcategories. That's first. Interesting. This, the second thing I would say to give it context is I was at a, a, a festival last summer called DreamHack. Uh, which is a, they do nine or 10 events around the world every year. And they're giant festivals where there's all kinds of different play, including some stadium style tournaments, uh, not in a stadium the size of ours or as big as Staples Center, but uh, the largest at any event will be probably around 1,500 to 2,000 people in a bleacher kind of a setup, but in a giant convention center. And it will be adjacent to another tournament going on next door, with giant screens and teams and whatever. And I was watching a game called PUBG that I knew of but had not seen and it's a very difficult game to follow if you're not into it uh and so i'm trying to figure out what's going on as i'm watching it. And the, the arena of it is packed and all of a sudden there's a murmur kind of going through the crowd like something is brewing and then after about five seconds of that there's a collective whoa and the hair on my arm stood up i had no idea what i was watching but there's that uh that sense of a moment happening yeah. that is as pervasive in esports as it is, you know, um, watching um, Todd Gurley break away through the offensive line of the Rams and scamper right. 80 yards for a touchdown. Or, <laughs> yeah. you know, I mean, something like that where you see that, that great moment. Um, so in that way, it is very much like a sport. It's the same kind of, of enthusiasm and uh, captive and captured audience uh, and that kind of excitement. Yeah, and and the loyalty to your favorite teams for and sure. whatnot with that because sure. you're you're experiencing that. Your favorite team and your favorite and your favorite and your, title. And your, your favorite, favorite player. player. Yeah. 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 So I got to to witness a, a Call of Duty tournament once and and it just kind of blew my mind because you know, the, the different teams were across from each other on the stage. They were in like these isolation booths while they were playing. And um, they had two giant screens mm -hmm. that were showing the gameplay. And the gameplay was so fast, I couldn't even tell what was going on half the time. But that same experience, you know, the people behind me were watching and they were totally into it. Um, 
and, and picking out the little nuances. Like, you know, when I watch a basketball game, it's not just the guy that hit the three, but it was the pick that the guy set, you know, and they were catching all those mm-hmm. little nuances like that. It was way too fast for me to even know what was going on. Yeah, and I, and I think that's one of the attractions of esports, which is that some people watch because it helps them be better. You know, you don't, I mean, I, I was a pretty good high school baseball. I played varsity high school. I was a good hitter, terrible fielder, but I was a good hitter. And I knew I was not going to play in college when a kid who was a, ju- I was a senior and a junior came up to the varsity team and he threw me a slider and I could not catch up with it. I was done. <laughs> yeah. I was just, so I, you know, I don't go to a baseball game to watch Jose Altuve and think, boy, I could pick up a tip that can make me better at baseball. I mean, yeah. I, would, I mean, I'm in my forties now, I couldn't do that. But even if I were a teenager, I couldn't do that. Yeah. With esports, you can't. People sure. go because they're, 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 they play a game and they're fans and they can watch a star make a move and say, oh, that's how you solve that puzzle or a move that you can make. Now, the games evolve, but it gives them a better sense and they can become better at the game yeah. that they love. And I think that's a, a big connection point in why esports is popular. Well, and I guess that's where the teamwork comes in too, you know, where um, I, I'm assuming those guys can communicate amongst the teams, watch it back, you know, stuff like that, especially in the, uh, the shooter type genres when you've got, you know, teams of five on each side yeah. and they're playing. Um, you know, and, and I'm one that truly believes in, in the value of sports from that perspective. I think kids growing up learn a lot playing sports, whether, you know, when you start learning about teamwork Mm -hmm. and, you know, discipline and stuff like that. So I think that's pretty cool. Um, man, I had a question loaded in my head and then I started thinking about, um, how confused I was watching that, (laughs) that thing and I just totally lost it. But, um, let's let's you know move on a little bit to um not only here at full sail and we'll probably jump back to that but kind of you know here in orlando um there's a lot of talk about esports and i'm guessing that a lot of it is going to be centered around this new uh the fortress the new arena right here at full sail huh we certainly think that it's going to be a major player in the orlando esports scene yes yeah um but you're right. I mean, Orlando is is a really interesting market and interesting in an extremely positive way for what esports is and, and, and will become. The, the makeup of uh, the, the stakeholders who have an interest in esports, we have a lot of things going for us here. We have a couple of universities, more than a couple of universities that are really interested. I mean, that's at UCF leading the way, but there's others. Um, we have two professional sports teams that are very innovative and forward-facing towards esports and recognizing that it's a point of connectivity for their fan base. And again, we only have two professional sports teams, which is actually a good thing. So we're not competing with, you know, legacy cities. I mean, if you're, I mean, even, even though this audience at a younger age is different from the audience that preceded it generationally, you know, if you grow up in Detroit again, uh, you know, in the summer, you pay attention to the Tigers. It may occupy a little bit of your time. We don't have that, right? I mean, we don't have that same rhythm that everybody is used to. Sure. We just have the two sports teams that are competing. We have two major, major media companies in Disney and Comcast Universal that have significant interest here. Uh, we have uh, uh, civic leaders. Uh, the mayors of both Orange County and Orlando are very interested in coming up with new ideas that will bring people to this area. And they recognize that esports is a rapidly growing audience. Um, so they're very much behind all of this. Um, we have a publisher 
EA is here. So that gives us more credibility as well. Um, and we have a very young population here. I mean, of course, the stereotype about Florida is that it's old, but not this place. Right. This, is, this is a place that has a lot of people who are just first and second generation people in this region. And so they're looking for things around which to unite. And people and younger people that are not just biding their time till they can get out of here. People yeah. want to stay here now. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. And that's a testament to all of the people who have built the societal fabric over the past generation or two. Uh, and then, right now, there's there's not a lot of competition for this because we have so many resources. Uh, I mean, L.A. is where most of the publishers are still. Okay. Um, Dallas has some history. The very first esports event was built around Counter-Strike back in 2001. Um, so there's some legacy there. And Las Vegas had the first dedicated studio uh, to this outside of the publishers. They have the HyperX Studios, which is at the Luxor Hotel in, uh, on, the, on the Strip. Beyond that, you know, there are some communities that have some interest. Um, I don't know of any that has galvanized the way that we have to try to bring everybody together to figure this out. We're still very much in the embryonic stages of what does it mean? How do we... How do we draw people to Orlando? And, and, and the origin of it was after uh, Orlando hosted the Call of Duty finals in, at Amway Center in, in August of 2017, uh, the uh, head of the Sports Commission, uh, Jason Siegel, reached out to several people, I'm sure, but he asked me, um, how do we get more of these events here? And at the end of our discussion, we decided the, the issue is not how do we go pursue other events, it's how do, how do we create uh, an infrastructure here wow. that events want to come to us. Dude, I am clapping. This is like, if we, can you add some applause, Carlos, to this? <laughs> um, because that was actually what my, I was loading up my next question in my mind here. Um, you know, we've had problems in the past with even some of the tech festivals that we've been involved with, like mm -hmm. Orlando IX and whatnot, getting support from the local community as far as to fund these types of events so that we can create these and it seems like the general um, statement that I get from a lot of people is, you know, no, we want somebody to, to bring the event here. You know, we want South by Southwest to move to Orlando or something like that mm -hmm. instead of organically growing it from the ground up. So I applaud that way of thinking. And it sounds like you're getting the support on it as well. Yeah. When, when Jason reached out and, and he's the, you know, the genius behind that. You know, he said, let's identify who needs to be here. And we started bringing people together and we've done it over over a few months. And it was really only designed to, to try to get people together. Well, what are our interests and can we be all uh, better together? And and that's where we are. Um, and I think, uh, you know, there there will eventually be a as, as all of these elements are coming together, there's eventually I mean, we already have a, a mission statement to it, but there will eventually be. RFPs of sorts, you know, to say this is what this is what this community can provide for any esports event that wants to come to Orlando, yeah, of any size. And we have um, we have so many great resources. We now have this smaller facility, which is great for televised events. Amway Center has proven that it's uh, viable for that. Um, we're missing, as of now, the mid-sized theater, that twenty-five hundred to three thousand seat theater that can host a mid-sized gaming event. Um, but there's lots of talk about how to, how to, uh, where we could build one of those. Um, oh, wow. So, uh, and who would build it? Um, so there's, 
all of the momentum is moving in the right direction. There's a long way to go. Sure. I think we feel we, without really knowing what other cities are doing, um, we feel that very proud of what we've been able to start with momentum so far and bringing people together. And, um, you know, there, like I said, it, it, it guarantees us nothing other than, you know, we, we've, we've worked towards this and I think we're going to continue to work yeah. So in your research, have you found, do the majority of esports fans travel for these events? Because I know that's another big thing here in Florida or in Orlando. You know, if you can fill hotel rooms, you might get some funding, you know. So what, uh, I mean, we know we've got the the base right here in Orlando. In fact, you know, what was it, two years ago, they said Orlando was the best city for game developers mm -hmm. and... Uh, uh, the uh, or was the second best city to be a game developer in, and the first for being a game fan. Mm -hmm. You know, so I mean, we know we got a lot of fans out there. Do people travel around for these events? Or? Yeah, you know, there have been several studies that have put Orlando in the top three, top four, top five of esports cities in the country, uh, even before they knew about this effort. Wow. Um, I one of them, a couple of them, we've been number one, and I don't remember which ones. Um, but um. Do people travel is the question. And the answer is mixed on that. Yeah. Um, it depends on the event. Uh, it depends on the community. Um, you know, uh, the DreamHack, which I mentioned earlier, uh, in 2018, the summer event was in Austin. It was well attended. Uh, they had a lot of problems with uh, connectivity and therefore latency in the mm. games. And so this year they're moving, that, the summer festival is moving to Dallas. Uh, the one in Atlanta in the fall went extremely well. And they, uh, I don't know the numbers uh, that they have, so I won't try to cite them, but it was very well attended. Um, my sense was that, yes, a lot of it was the Atlanta community, but that people were coming to these kinds of events. Yeah. So I think the audience for gaming and esports is only growing. Um, so I think eventually people will come to the titles, the championships of their favorite titles um, from all over the world. Uh, the way that they attend uh, that for WrestleMania or Monster Jam. Sure. To say, think of a couple of other events yeah. that we've had in Orlando or about to have in Orlando. I thought it was interesting how you broke it down from, you know, legacy to this being its own thing with, um, uh, I already forgot, you said League of Legends, mm -hmm. I think, was kind of like, you know, the NFL, the top one and everything. Yeah. What other games are being talked about yeah. or used right now? Well, I, I you know, I, I really would, I, just to make sure I make this distinction, I don't know that League of Legends is football. I mean, I was just trying to say that there's a corresponding no, no, no. one for each. I yes, understood no, that. Thank you. So, yeah, I'm glad you cleared uh, yeah, that up. The, the audience yeah. may not. The, the, so the, right, so there, I mean, obviously, you know, you've got the classic games, Counter-Strike, League of Legends, Call of Duty. Uh, you've got a couple more that have emerged more recently. Uh, Overwatch, um, uh, Dragon Ball, Rocket League. Um, of course, I have not yet said Fortnite. Mm. Fortnite is such an interesting piece because the truth is it's not really an eSport. It's a phenomenon. It is what brought the idea of competitive gaming to the masses in a way that many people now believe it is authentic esport and it's close I mean, it shares a lot of properties and i'm not diminishing it because it's amazing um there's a new game uh, that's an ea game called uh, apex league um which is similarly interesting so one of the things but we're always inventing new titles yeah the one the one thing that i think will be a groundbreaker will be when a game is invented 
not to be a game that can be sold and packaged and played at home, but is developed specifically to be an esport. Hmm. That hasn't quite happened yet. Um, so I'm, I'm sort of watching for that. As, it hasn't happened as far as you know. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, I, there's, I'm sure many studios are yeah, I know trying, studios to, are yeah, trying, trying to, trying to get there. But, yeah. but, but the model of that for the people who are the uninitiated is I mean, games existed. They make money for the publishers, right? Games were played competitively and marketed to sell more games. Yeah. And now that the, the, the pain points are how does it transition into a place where it is its own, its own deal where, uh, where there's, where esports itself is a, another, uh, revenue generator. Yeah. Right. So more people make money on it. It's not just the publisher. It's also the brands, the sponsors, the venues, the teams, et cetera. Yeah. One thing we didn't talk about was the full sale team. Yeah. You have a esports team we here. We do. I the Armada. Name them. The Armada. Yeah. yeah. So they play on 12 different titles. Okay. Um, uh, we just got into the playoffs in two leagues and I forget which one. So forgive me for that. Um, and, uh, and the landscape is really interesting. I mean, it's really fun. We've played big schools, right? So this school, this entertainment tech and media school with a funny name down here in Central Florida, we played a game against Georgia Tech. Wow. We played against <laughs> the University of Illinois. I mean, those are, that's really fun for this. And are, are, sports community. Are, are you traveling for those or is it kind of like a typical type we have six home games and we have six away games. Or? Yeah, not not playing in home markets just yet. There's yeah, a lot okay. of, most of the games are still played remotely. Okay, but where where and in these two bracket tournaments, this was a, I think this was PUBG, and we played in this tournament. Um, and those were still played remotely, but the finals and the semifinals, the final four went to the finals, which were held in Atlanta. Um, so there, but I think in the future you will see that, and in the professional leagues. There are some leagues that are starting to play home market or will start to play in home markets, you know, in the next year or so. So that's that's why, you know, you have NBA 2K, you have uh, the Overwatch League where, you know, last year the championship London beat Philadelphia. Now, they're still playing all of those games in a studio in Los Angeles. But in 2020, those games will be played in the home markets. And there is a team for Miami, Orlando called the Florida Mayhem. Hmm. Now, they are, you know, right now, like last year's Detroit Tigers, they're not particularly strong this year. <laughs> yeah. oh, they weren't last year. They, this yeah. year has just started. Um, but they're terrific people, and um, uh, they're owned by a really good franchise. And, and uh, you know, we'll see how competition shakes out for them this year. But the, the larger point is that's the team for this area, and, um, uh, you know, they're they're going to make their impact on, on Central Florida for sure. Yeah. It's fascinating, man. I knew that this would be an interesting conversation as far as um, – uh, informational for me because you know I'm uh, probably a lot of our readers are already very ensconced in that whole world but um, this has just been incredible man what what else haven't we talked about in the esports arena here in Orlando that you would like to mention is there anything else that we haven't covered yet you know I, I think it's just you know there's so many people who still our generation yeah <laughs> who still resist a little bit yeah and you know, I, I, it's it's coming, and I think the one thing I would say is the the kids today. I mean, kids who are whatever twelve to twenty five, their uh, their their brains are developing in a different way. They don't think the way that we think. They don't approach social situations the way that we do, and we as you know who are you know Gen X and up need to understand that. And in, rather than resisting, we need to embrace it, and. 
understand that they're communicating with each other in a different way and, and listen to them. Dude, I saw the same thing happen with music, you know, when digital came in yep. and, and everybody fought it. And instead of trying to find a way to work with it and look at the music industry now compared to what it was like 30 years ago, mm -hmm. it's, it, you wouldn't even recognize it. That's right. So, and, yeah, I agree. You know, we've got to, you know, whether you like it or not, you got to accept it. It's here. It's part of our life. It's not going away. Yeah. And it, and it doesn't mean that the stuff of the past is, is going away either. There's plenty of room to have the Orlando Magic be incredibly successful and incredibly well attended and support all of these different kinds of events that we that we have for esports. In fact, there's a lot of crossover. They, they don't have to be in competition. Yeah, absolutely. Man, thank you so much again for sitting down with us tonight on this rainy night and um I can't wait for the for the fortress to open, man. I'm ready to check it out. So yeah. thanks for letting me have a peek at that. Um, I didn't even try to sneak any pictures. So um, well, I'd have had to have confiscated your phone. You, so I, I know, I know, and that's like too important to me. So, um, <laughs> so all right. Well, that's episode 19 of This Is Orlando, and uh, thanks again to Josh Mora for spending some time with us. Um, one last question, yeah. I guess, would be um, for people that are interested in learning more about esports. Um, are there any websites, uh, magazines, things that you would recommend that they start looking for? I would, and and I'll start by saying it's been a thrill to be on here. It's really been fun. <laughs> Thanks, man. It. Uh, I'm glad we did it. Um, yeah, the, the I mean, there are there's the esports observer. It has a lot of uh, the business of esports. Um, I mean, I think I think the big, the best thing to do is go on to Twitch and start watching some games. Start mm -hmm. under start getting a sense of what people are playing, what people are watching. Maybe go on YouTube and try to find top esports influencers. Um, they're very good at explaining. They they rope in 10, 12, 14 year olds just by being funny. Yeah, and it's a really accessible way to start to understand what the landscape looks like. Oh, nice. And then and then follow. Follow what we're doing here. I mean, we, uh, it's a, it's a. There's a learning curve. There's a learning curve for everybody who is, you know, start, again Gen X and up, um, uh, and but but it's it's approachable, and especially if you listen to your kids, because even if you're not paying attention to it, they are. They are. Yeah. Absolutely. All right, Carlos. Thank you so much once again for all you Always do. Um, we're gonna definitely get back on track. Um, uh, I can't tell you right now what those next few episodes are going to be. We're brewing a couple of ideas in our head, uh, but Is our that goal, a hint? Uh, no, oh. no, because we did we did the brewery last time. Oh, ah, okay. Yeah, so um, need to go on that one. That was this, a good this one was one, good, yeah. but it was dry. Yeah, from a, from a, <laughs> exactly. From a beverage standpoint, we could have smuggled some stuff sure. in for you. But, I've got stuff yeah. in the fridge, but oh, there you <laughs> go. Yeah, so um, yeah, but we've got a couple ideas of some things coming up and. Um, you know, our goal here is to just focus on not only just Orlando, but community here in Orlando. Yeah. And, you know, when we started this podcast, it was kind of more of a networking, teaching networking for, you know, students or people that were out there looking for jobs and ways that they could get involved. And uh, I like the way that it's evolved into more of a um, Orlando community, because like Josh said, you know, we have so much more to offer here in Orlando than Disney and oranges. And uh, that's what our t-shirt will say, mm -hmm. more than Disney and oranges. Um, and we wanna expose and talk about the different ways that you, the listener, can get involved and um, 
fuel your passions with some of the some of the really cool things that are going on here. Uh, in fact, we need to do a food scene one, man, because we have so sure. many great restaurants here in town right I'm now. I'm definitely coming to that one. Yeah, no kidding, man. For sure. So, um, but thank you everybody again for listening. Again, my name is Rob Coble. You can find me at robcoble.org. Um, the podcast is available in all the usual places, or you can grab it right directly from my website, again, robcoble.org. Um, if you have any ideas for future episodes or you would like to be featured because you have a great story to tell and your community is looking for some sort of exposure uh, and you want to get the word out in Central Florida uh, and beyond, um, I think we got one listener that's actually in Ocala. So um, that was a joke, you know, because, uh, okay, dry humor. So, but anyway, thank you all for joining. Uh, thank you guys once again, and we'll talk to y'all real soon. Bye.